Good morning. Our prayer today be that we be filled with the kingdom. Yeah. We're going to do a little prayer of examine. Um, it's a tool that we, we hope that you feel like you can use uh, throughout the week, each day. We're going to keep practicing it so it becomes part of who we are. All right? So first thing we're going to do is we are going to rejoice. So day in the week I have just lived is a gift. Do you believe that? It's a gift from God. Just take 30 seconds just to be grateful for all this transpiring. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Next, we'd like for you to reflect a little bit. Look back on the week. Look back on the day, the day so far. And see where you were guided this last week. Where did God, where did the Holy Spirit meet you this last week when you needed him? Just reflect for a minute. to change how we think, change from being prideful to thinking about others. So we face what is wrong in our life, the world around us, we confess to how we've added to it. Just take a minute, think back, what do you need to repent of? reset. We gather here, we reset to move into next week. So we rest this morning in the assurance that we are forgiven. We are loved. And this next week, the Holy Spirit will meet us when we need him, if we look for him. Would you pray for the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters? If you don't know the words, it'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And have a seat. Uh, before we begin, we want to express sympathy to Bryce Abbas and their, his family on the death of Janita uh, on the 7th. So just know that uh, we're thinking of you. If there's anything we can do, please let us know. Um, so uh, I got a couple invitations for you today. First, I'm trying to move this thing. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read our passage first, but before I do that, I want to invite you to something. I'm going to tell you more about it later, Okay. 
So can you give me slide number uh, three, three to four? We're trying something new this week. It's called midweek prayer. Wednesdays. We want to, I'm just struck by the fact that we have a lighthouse. And I'm, I've been talking to some people, and uh, I'm one of them. I don't go in there that much. I should spend more time in the lighthouse. Because then when I talk to, whenever they go, when they come out, they say, why don't I do that more often? Like, why don't I make space for that? I said, that's a great, I don't know. We should, though, shouldn't we? So I'm inviting you to midweek prayer. And all it is, you can sign up for a time slot. The next slide, we're using a text. If you text midweek to that number, uh, you can sign up for a spot. I'll explain why we're going to do that in a little bit, though. But just know you are invited. It's up to you, though. What I want to do first this morning is I want to read our passage. I want to read it twice with a question for you. Uh, Before we move into our passage, I want to look at where we have been. And then we're going to look at Matthew 5, 38 to 48, and then I have a story. Sound good? So here's the passage. Turn some pages. Get out your device. Matthew 5, 38 to 48. It's on page 959. So I'm going to read it. Before I do, I have a, I'm going to read it two times. But I want you to think about how does this passage make you feel? As you hear these words from Jesus... What comes up? What rises up? How do you feel as you hear the words, right? So here we go. First of two. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters, children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. How does it make you feel? Read one more time, and I'm gonna ask you to chat with someone next to you. I want you to share whatever came up. One more time, ready? 38 to 48. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those that persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters, children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So if you're willing to, someone next to you, just share what that makes you think of. How do you feel as you hear those words? Go ahead. All right. 
Thank you for communicating. I must say, I love it. I see people journaling, some people sitting quietly. I should always say that. You, you can in, engage text however you need to, but I'm grateful for the conversations. We're going to come back to that though, okay? Because before we get there, I want to talk about where we have been. And so what I've been struck by as I've been studying the sermon now is, uh, is how I have written, read it poorly for a long time. Uh, you know, we've been paying attention. Jesus has been leading us somewhere. They're not individual thoughts. He, he, he's doing something. He's leading us somewhere. So it's like a string of pearls. We'll learn about that later. But you have to pay attention each week because it builds on the last week. And so I heard someone say this. Uh, we read our Bibles. Here you go. I'll talk about paths and highways. So does anyone remember uh, how you used to get to Des Moines? If you live in Pella. You remember how you used to get to Des Moines? Took forever, right? You had to drive through, stop in Otley then drive through to Monroe and stop in Monroe, and then Prairie City. I went to Des Moines like three times a year growing up. Back to school shopping, Christmas shopping, and the state tournament. That was it. You didn't go to Des Moines. It took way too long. Now we have a highway, and I'm grateful for the highway. I can be to Adventureland in 40 minutes. It's great, right? So don't hear what I'm not saying. But the person was saying, we read Scripture, especially the Sermon 2, like it's a highway. We live on highways. Can you stop on a highway? Can you slow down on highways? It's dangerous, right? We're trying to be efficient. We're trying to get to where we're trying to get to as fast as we can. Why do you exit a highway? For gas? Perhaps an interruption from a child or someone in your car? Typically, if you pull over when you're traveling, you're not happy about it, right? Is that true? Person saying, that's how we read this. Think about the sermon. Man, I'll stop, man, I, oh, man, okay, my, my, my yes be yes, my no be no, got it, got it, got it. I pull off, I, I got that little tidbit, let's go, let's go, let's go. But the person said we have to read it like it's an old windy road, perhaps a path, because slow, it takes a while. If we're being formed by Jesus, it's not going to be quick. So I've been really wrestling with a sentence for this sermon there's a wise pastor here that says, if you don't have a sentence, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I got a stack of notes. <laughs> Cannot figure it out. So I went back and started re-watching the messages and just laying the words, just I'm paying attention to what's happening. And a sentence like in week two just stuck with me. I think our sentence could be the same every single week, to be honest. It probably won't be. But this is where we're going today. We're going backwards. Help me develop the person no one sees. But it's me. I love what Phil said last week. We are all different, right? Uniquely created. Psalm 139, the Lord knows us. You ever think about that. You're created with intention and purpose for this time with these people. There are significant things the Lord is inviting you into right now. Your life is significant. We're all different but we're all taking on the character and qualities of Jesus. Help me develop the person no one sees. But it's me. Isn't that so encouraging? We don't all have to be exactly the same. So in our house, a prayer that was prayed for me my whole life, and now we're, starting, we're trying to pray it over our children at night, is that we pray that God, would you make Kai and Koda, mommy and daddy, all that you made us to be. And then would you help us help you do that? That's our simple prayer. But it's a, it's a humble posture. 
Because I have ideas of who I think my, I want my kids to be. But it's a, it's a release and saying, God, you do the deep work. That is what the sermon is. It is deep work. It is not a highway. It is not efficient. It's slow and arduous and winding. Do you ever think about if you're walking somewhere and you have a problem with somebody, guess what they can do with you? They can just walk with you. You can talk about it. You can figure it out. But if I'm on a highway, I can't pull over. It's a path. It's a slow path. So that's the sermon. That is what our sentence is today, and it probably will be again next week. Help me develop the one that no one sees, but it's me. We're using this iceberg picture over and over. What is underneath? So I got to thank him. When we treat life, sermon, like a highway, people are interruptions. They're means to an end. They're used to get what I want. And when they don't, they get in my way. So what happens if you've been following the sermon? Right? He started in murder, right? You're angry at someone. Anger's, anger is an indication that something is wrong. It's not bad. There's something that is wrong. But this summer we talked about the Psalms, right? What do we do with our anger? We give it to God. What happens if we don't? We move towards contempt. What's contempt again? You don't have value to me. It feels like tolerance to me. You're not valuable. I don't care. Be elsewhere. Then what? We start getting angry at those people. We move towards malice. And then we start saying and doing things as we're actively trying to injure them. Watch how it plays out. So that's, that is the playbook, right? Let's see. Uh, murder, then adultery, lustful. Lust with our eyes, lust, all kinds of things. We devalue things. And then we do things that harm them. What about our relationships? We devalue them, and then we harm them. It's the same thing over and over and over again. He's building something. He's saying, come with me and work through all these areas of your life. Because once I've devalued my relationships, what do I do? I lie. My yes is not yes. My no is not no. And then what do I have? Today's passage, enemies. And what do I do with my enemies? He's just taking us somewhere. I have not read this that way. Individual teachings, no. It's a teaching. Jesus is so smart. Do you ever think about that? We think of him as really, he's loving, he's kind, he's free, all those good things. Do you think about how smart Jesus is? He is brilliant. We're learning things like in like brain research now that he was talking about 2,000 years ago. He is so smart. It's so fun. So he's taking us and we're building something. So he begins. You're supposed to be salt and light, right? Salt and light, valuable. Everyone should be able to see the value. Salt draws things out of things, right? It preserves things. It, it makes things taste good. Salt and light. Everyone should be able to see what you're doing. Don't hide things. Don't hide good things for other people. If your heart's in the right place. Then what do you say? I didn't come to abolish anything. I didn't come to change any laws. We'll talk about that today. Everything in here is good. The problem is you have not understood what I was talking about for all of these pages. You misunderstood. So he says, I, let me show you. Let me explain it to you. And let me show you how this works. And then he leads us down the path. Building. So what I want to talk about today is enemies. Who's your enemy? What I found, I took the Enneagram. 
I'm a peacemaker. My enemy, most oftentimes, me, is me. I devalue myself. I say things to myself. I'm my enemy. Who's your enemy? Because if we don't acknowledge who our enemies are, how can we possibly learn to love them? How can we possibly learn to will their good? If we're on a highway, we're on a highway to hell. That's a famous song, right? If we're on a path, we have time. So this morning, I want to make some time. When I said enemy, who came to your mind? I think the Lord wants you to release and be released from how you feel about that person, that thing, party, whatever you want. But you have to be willing to release it. We'll talk about enemies. Okay? Let's get into the passage. Matthew 5, 38. I'm just going to read and we're going to talk. Starting out, you have heard it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Let's hold on for a second there. Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. You know, I had this thought as I was getting ready. If we actually function that way, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, I think that would be a step up in life right now. One for one. So he, Jesus is quoting something further back. It's in Leviticus and, Exodus and, uh, Leviticus and Exodus. It is life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise, one to one. So in this time period, which Jesus is quoting back to, the problem was that if, if I did something to, to Ryan, guess what? All the penguins would come to get me. And then what would happen? All the corvers would come back. So it was not one for one. It was everyone got brought into the violence. Everyone became enemies. So one for one is actually an appeal for justice, not vengeance. Remember, Jesus said, I, I did not come to abolish anything. I didn't come to say, I have a new rule. No, he's saying, you just didn't understand what I was saying. So justice, in the Old Testament, you know what justice meant? Justice was meant to restore things. That's why justice and righteousness were oftentimes coupled. Righteousness, how do we define it here? Right relationships. So justice restores righteousness, right relationships. So it's an attempt to restore a right relationship. That was the intent of the law, but it's not happening. Because there's this thing, they call it the myth of redemptive violence. It's this idea that once I get my revenge on you, I'm going to feel way better. Is that the case? Not the case. I thought of, a, I always think of movies, old movies. I don't watch movies anymore that aren't kids' movies. But I thought of The Princess Bride, Indigo Montoya, right? You kill my father, prepare to die, trying to find the six-fingered man. At the end of the movie, he doesn't know what to do. What do I do? I, I got my revenge. Now what? There's this myth that once we get what we want, we'll not actually end up getting what we want. I, I wish I, I think I wrote it down. I heard someone say, you'll get what you want by not taking what you want. So what happens is I read a different story about uh, two different couples who experienced incredible harm. It was in a book by Malcolm Gladwell. 
awful, awful injustice. And one of them wanted to fix that wrong, which was a good thing. So he passed tons of, he led a charge to pass legislation in a major state. And they passed legislation. He became super famous. They're finding that maybe what the law they passed was not great, but that's not the purpose of the story. The person who went to interview this person noticed something. He had become so consumed by getting back that his wife was gone, his family was gone, he was all alone, all by himself. There's this idea that, oh, if I just get him back, then I'll feel good. Jesus would disagree. The other family chose to forgive painfully. But the writer noticed that they were together and they were functioning and they were moving forward together. But they had made two very different decisions. Justice is meant to restore, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, restore something how it's supposed to be, Jesus said. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Hold on. Man, there's just so much in every line, right? So I was reading about resistance. How does that make you feel? Do not resist an evil person. Roll over and die. I guess I let, let's let them abuse me. They can do whatever they want to me, I guess, right? Don't resist, said Jesus. Well, a person I read said that the word is probably better translated, don't violently resist an evil person. See, I think, my opinion, Kevin K at trcpella.com, <laughs> is that Jesus is saying, I want you to creatively resist an evil person, not violently. Because violence, violence is meant to inflict pain. It's meant to extract. It's meant to leave their life worse than when it started. That's violence. And if the law was meant to restore things, Jesus is saying, that's not what he's saying. So what does he go on to say? Creative resistance. You know, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. You have heard in this room, I know it's been talked about. Right hand, because you couldn't use left hand, to right cheek. What does that imply? I am better than you. If the sermon is all about people, how to love people, how to care for people, how to usher in the kingdom, that's not a good thing. So what do we do? You turn the other cheek. The, the idea is that they think they're better bah! by stopping them and turning the cheek. You're looking at them. You're saying, is that really what's in your heart? Is that really who you want to be? We're trying to restore people. We are all made in the image of God. Genesis, right? All made, we're image bearers. Every single person goes on and say, God sends good gifts on everyone because he loves everyone. He's saying, they have to see us all as image bearers. Help them to see by being creative in your resistance. So turn the other cheek. It's not you get smacked again. The idea is you're trying to help them see their own heart graciously. Next one. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. That's against the law, actually. To keep someone's tunic is against the law back here. Jesus reminded them of that. So Jesus is actually being kind of funny. He said, you're in court, Right? And someone wants to take your stuff because they're mad at you, because you owe them. What are you supposed to do? Undress. Right here. Imagine, we're in a courtroom. Me and someone else. He's mad at me. Give me your cloak as well. Okay. I am naked. The idea is to make them 
Do you really want to do that to somebody? Do you really want to shame somebody, judge them in front of everyone else? Is that really what you want? Is that what's in your heart? Help them to think about how they see people. That's what he's saying. It's all about people. Salt and light. If someone forces you to go to one mile, go two. Right? Heard a really interesting teaching about this. Man, it sounds like, man, really? The idea, though, here is that, so Roman soldiers, right, could make you carry their stuff for a mile. That was the law. So you imagine you're carrying the guy's stuff, and he's walking next to you. He thinks he's bossing you around, and he stops because it's been a mile, and you just keep right on going, right? And he's like, what, 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 where are you going? What are you doing? Well, actually, could you tell me about yourself? So, you know, most Roman soldiers aren't from Rome. They're actually conquered people by Rome. So they probably hate Rome just as much as the Hebrews do because they're being forced to work somewhere else they don't want to work, away from their families, for a regime who probably destroyed their whole hometown. So he's saying is, ask about it. See each other as people. He's not happy with his life either, probably. You have a whole mile to talk about it and get to know each other. Go one more mile. And then this one. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So Jesus is saying, I have to give them whatever they want? Well, if we think about it, eye for eye, tooth tooth was meant to restore someone. So I don't know if you have to give them whatever they want. I think you need to give them what they need. So perhaps all situations are different. Maybe you need to give them boundaries. Maybe you need to give them some space. What's the idea? You want them to see the state of their hearts. So maybe by saying, because of how you are treating me right now, I have got to give you room. Maybe that will help them see, wow, look at what I just said. Look at what I just did. You're trying to make them think about why they're doing what they're doing. That's what Jesus wants. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love, will the good of your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children, sons and daughters of your Father in heaven, because he gives good gifts to everyone, the righteous, the ones in right relationship, the unrighteous, the ones who are not yet. He still gives good gifts. Be perfect, therefore, like God's perfect. I've heard some stories about that line. That has hurt some people. Perfect. What does that mean exactly? Not perfect. Uh, actually, Paul, in his letter to Rome, would totally agree with you. Or in Philippians, I'm not perfect. What's he saying? So the word means mature, complete. Help me develop the one that no one sees. He's saying, if you walk this path with me, You'll become the kind of person who can will the good of another over yourself. You become the kind of person who can pray for people who hate you and despise you. You become that kind of person. So actually, the word has a healing quality to it. Right? Genesis 1, made in his image. We're good. Very good, I think it says. Falling apart, broken, and just saying, I want to put it back together. That's what the sermon's all about, becoming whole persons who live inside of his kingdom. It feels different to me than 
perfect like I think of. Some tell a story. I've told this story once before, and I think no one remembers it, so I don't think I told it very well. Uh, there's this man, his name is Desmond Das, and I've learned some new things about him. And uh, so the movie Hacksaw Ridge, anyone seen that? Some people have seen it. So I learned some stuff about him on the front end and back end of his life. So the story itself is like this. So Desmond is a young man. He sees the attack on Pearl Harbor and feels like he's supposed to join the fight to resist evil. But it's different for Desmond because when he was growing up, he grew up in a religious home. In his home was a poster of the Ten Commandments. There were a lot of those back then. And he was fascinated with the Sixth Commandment, which said, do not murder. Because he saw two brothers, one kills his brother. I wonder if he wondered, how could you do that? Later on in life, fast forward, he actually wrestled a gun out of his dad's hand as he was fighting his brother. So Desmond became a Seventh-day Adventist, which means they Sabbath hardcore. You, I had a teammate in college who was Seventh-day Adventist. He would not play games on Saturdays. He still had a scholarship. That's how good he was. And they also are nonviolent people. No violence anytime whatsoever. None. Desmond's going to join the military. That might not go great, right? So he joins, and it didn't. People did not like him. They did not trust him because they didn't understand why he was living the way he was living. They just didn't get it. He gets deployed. They go and, and fight probably in the, in the second bloodiest battle in the whole war. It's on an island called Okinawa, I read. And the idea was that they had to take the hill. So they had the lower ground. They had to get up and take the top. It did, they, they, they didn't. They were retreating. But Desmond, remember, when he was in the military, no one wanted him. No one liked him. They spit on him, threw things at him, tried to have him removed. Desmond's the medic because he wouldn't carry a gun. And medics in this time were sought after by the enemy. They were trying to kill him most because of what he did. So everyone retreats except Desmond. And Desmond keeps running back into battle to pull people out. And as he does, he pulls them out. He has to lower them down a cliff face and run back in. And he was heard to have said a prayer out loud every time before everyone. He would, he would say out loud, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. Interestingly, he did not just save American soldiers. He saved enemy combatants. Both. So they want to make a movie about him. It's an incredible story. Who does that kind of stuff? He would not let them do it. He said, I want them to do it because they won't tell the whole story. They will not tell the whole story. Desmond died. They made the movie. But I'm told they told the story in a better way. But later on, he uh, would only tell his story to churches and youth groups. But whenever people would say, why did you do that? He would just say, to God be the glory. In intimate moments with his family, they would say, Dad, why did you do that? He never gave a straight answer. With what we are learning about the Sermon on the Mount, what do we keep saying? What do we want to do? People who easily, readily, almost automatically just live like Jesus. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Do you think he gutted that out? Or did he just say that? Because that's what's in here. 
And Jesus would say, whatever goes in here, whatever's here, has to come out. So I think Desmond just loved Jesus. I think he just did what came naturally to him because he loved Jesus. Enemies. We become people who love like our Heavenly Father. That is just the best news. I've been reading Colossians 3 a lot. Paul takes you on a journey of what life was like and who you were and who you're becoming. At the end, he says something like, just be thankful. Did you ever do that? If you've been following Jesus for a while, do you ever look back on your life and you're just like, man, look at what he has done in my life. Just so thankful. And then when I come across people who are who are newer in their journey, I'm like, wow, look what God is going to do. So I can be patient with them. I can will their good, knowing that someone else willed my good, and we're bringing them into the kingdom. If that is what Jesus is like, make me more like Jesus. Call the band up. God, Jesus, awed by everything about you. What you invite us into, you are so good. So prayer is that um, perhaps in these moments as we worship that we have an encounter with you because you are living king, living God. Might we somehow get a sense, a taste of your deep love, your deep forgiveness, your goodness. May we get a sense of who you are so that we, this week, as your sons and your daughters, can just say wholeheartedly from the deepest places within us, make us more like you, Jesus. Make us more like you, Jesus.